0: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of CJ and the Duke. As always, I am your co-host, Robert the Duke Fedoric.
1: And I'm Corey, CJ Wesley.
0: CJ and the Duke reaches a wide audience of ServiceNow admins, developers, and product owners. And it's an excellent way for your brand to get exposure in the ServiceNow ecosystem. This episode is brought to you by VividCharts. VividCharts is a visualization engine built on ServiceNow, so you can get the reporting experiences you want without exporting data off the platform. Save yourself seventy-four hours a month of manual reporting with VividCharts. Okay, this is the final episode of our "What's Up with Catalog" subseries, and we're going to talk about our service catalog wish list—all the things Corey and I daydreamed about in over a decade of working with the service catalog. Corey, lead off with number one.
1: Well, the first thing we want to talk about are the Rhythm Table extensions. So let's talk about why we need the table extensions. You ever had a catalog item where you want to look at some of the data that's been input later, right? You want to do some advanced reporting on it. You want to have other processes actually interact with the data that's stored in the variables. Well, you can't do that with a variable, or you can't do it easily. But what if we were able to extend the rhythm table to allow for a new set of fields for every, not every catalog item that we have, but for the catalog items that we deem a little more major, than a typical catalog item. Not quite a custom app, but a little more involved than your run-of-the-mill catalog item. That's where the extending the rhythm table for me comes in, right? Let me create the equivalent of a task extension for the catalog items. Let me go ahead and have some fields there that I can store this data and let me open it up for other processes to consume it. Other processes could be something inside of the workflow, they could also be outside of the workflow, completely unrelated in the context of this self-contained thing, but still usable in other parts of the system. Don't forget That's about kind security of my dream. too, right?
0: Don't forget about security oh. too, because right now the only way you can get extra security vis-a-vis ACL is right. to create a brand new app. And it's like we were talking about in the last episode about proto-apps. Catalog has a lot of gray area there. Sometimes it's just a little, like a little tiny bit more complicated than a rhythm. <laughs> yeah right, yeah but, exactly but you, you've got to go the full nine yards now and say ah oh, oh, it's an app now you know right um but if it, was, if it was easier to just extend rhythm and make fields to facilitate those variables that would go a long way and i'm not saying gosh you have to have a custom table for every catalog item no 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 no. Uh, just the ones that are really rich and saucy you know, yeah just the ones that are really detailed the proto app ones.
1: Yeah. Just being able to have that option opens up a whole lot more customization in your toolbox in terms of what you want to do, how you design a process, and whether or not you go to full Monty and make it a proto app, or if you're able to just take it that one step further and extend the rhythm table, and now you have a little bit more persistent data and security control.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And what a what a great way to lead off the wish list is blurring the lines between catalog items and apps. So, my first item on the wish list is better ways to have existing task types as subtasks to a workflow or a flow designer, a rhythm, than just SC tasks. And I had a really important procurement workflow that I had to build one time. And three out of the five subtasks were pre-existing tasks with their own workflow. So the easiest way to imagine this is that the legal team had a legal contract negotiation task. It's their negotiation with outside counsel to an agency that they were buying from, and it had its own workflow and its own subtasks. But step one of this procurement flow was run a legal contract review. And I'm not dumb. I know that you can put subtasks that aren't SC tasks, but an SC task will always be able to see the variables of the rhythm. You can't do that when it's not an SC task. So that legal thing was always cut off from the variables of the request item. And if they just cracked that one nut, it would open up a whole new world of workflows being orchestrated across any task type, not just SC tasks. I totally agree with you on
1: this one, Robert. We're often embedding other tasks inside of a workflow because once you get inside of a request workflow, there are so many ways that this thing can twist and turn before you get to the end of it. It would be really, really, really helpful if you could actually have those variables coexist on any sort of task that you drop into that workflow. Because that initiator data is going to be necessary and beneficial, I think, throughout the process, especially at any point in time where someone has to do some work on the process. It just makes a whole lot more sense to me to allow those variables to be embedded like we do on the SC task rather than having to, you know, serialize them as text data and then drop them into like the work notes or comments field or something like that. Yep. It just makes sense. The next item on my list is going to be mid workflow request input. So think about it like this. You've got the initiator. The initiator has input the data that is going to spawn this process. So now we're doing things based on the data that's been input. However, we get halfway through and now we actually have a question back for the initiator. How do we get that question answered? The t- typical way that we do that is by sending an email and waiting for that initiator to send us data back. And then we're going to manually take that data and put it into a process. Or we're going to scrape it programmatically some kind of way. But we're, it's going to be really hard to utilize that data and then format it and get it into the appropriate fields when we start doing it programmatically. It's just, it's just not really a good look.
0: A lot of times when I bring this up, people say, "Oh, why don't you just add a customer comment or whatever?" Well, customer comments are awesome when it's unstructured, but this is a structured thing. At this point in the workflow, we will always ask the user to fill in this blank. So why not make that programmatic? Why not make it some task that only that user can see? Right? When right. You throw a notification around. It's like, hey, listen, we're at an impasse until you tell us. Mm. And there's all kinds of ways this could be useful. This could be useful for picking preferences. Like, would you like yep. blue or red? It could be useful for validation of correct data. Like, hey, we're going to spend a million dollars buying this data so that you can make a trade move off of Saudi oil data. Uh, is all this right?
1: Because <laughs> we a million dollars riding on
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so, Before we do this. Yeah, <laughs> let's check with you. Let's not check with somebody else. Let's check with you whether or not this is right what do you do in these cases i mean the best i've heard of is people hacking surveys but it's got to be able to in the middle of a workflow ask the requester this in some form task i don't care something to go back to the customer and say please fill in this variable now yeah right and have that cleanly pick back up in the workflow
1: The word that you mentioned earlier is structured, and that really puts the the intention to light. What we're doing here is saying that at every point in this process, we're going to ask these three questions based on whatever happened previously in the workflow. But it's a structured thing. It's a process. It's regimented. It's going to happen.
0: Right. And And I just thought about this. Like comments aren't going to cut it because you might have subsequent workflow that depends on the data being there.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I mean, onboarding comes to mind immediately, but right now we do a lot of upfront validation of email addresses to ensure that email address isn't in use in the system somewhere else. Well, wouldn't it be great if we can do that validation and present back to the end user Well, here are five email addresses that you can pick from instead of the one that's in our scripted solution that where we came upon the first available one and started adding initials Mm -hmm. or whatever the case we gave the initiator, you know, pick a five, pick the one that you think this user would actually like the best and then let's continue to process
0: my next item on the wish list is role-based visibility and you can make a strong argument that this isn't a catalog item wish list it's more of a portal-based wish list i wish there was a way to easily compartmentalize users with conditions and give them a little banner on their portal of like hey listen you and your peers get these five catalog items as a push button experience from your portal. And people all over the organization get different ones depending on their positions, right? Cause some, Love some it. you know what I mean? That data procurement task that I did, the same 20 people did that every single day. And what do we have for those people today? Oh, go to search again or worse, navigate this category tree <laughs> <laughs> to get to this thing that you do every single f- day
1: every day yeah yeah but robert i love this one to me this is personalization this is serviceable information it's all of that stuff wrapped up in a bowl. that's what we should be doing in terms of the user experience and service now we should be expressing to the user hey we know how you work And we're making it easier for you, even on the fly without you thinking about it. And you mentioned the portal and the portal is a great place for this kind of thing to to be visible, right? Like a, a nice widget. That is noticing how you use it, but not just how you use the service catalog, but also how other people like you are using the service catalog, pushing it directly in front of you and say, you might also like. And You want
0: to talk about slaying dragons as a ServiceNow product owner too? Take a second, step back. What business are you in? And then imagine for the people that drive that business them coming to the portal and getting the exact five things that they order most of the time when they come in instead of going to search. Imagine you're a hotel and your hotel managers across the globe might order one of five or six things. They don't have to be presented with everything or just absolutely that the the, the people that deal with the heaviest work. Now, all of a sudden you're solving business problems if you can put yourself into that frame of mind. I think if you don't imagine the world with this feature, then your only other option is to say, what stuff does everybody request from us. Exactly. It's it's not that that doesn't have value, but that's not like a laser targeted value bomb.
1: Yeah. And don't underestimate the amount of time that can be saved by shaving off seconds versus shaving off hours. I think a lot of times we get caught up in trying to make sure we collapse this process and shave off an hour for the end user, Mm -hmm. where if you shave off 30 or 45 seconds for 100 or 200 or 300 people, spread throughout the company that's really material well we got
0: something on the wish list for that too don't we
1: oh man we do (laughs) we do (laughs) yeah so let me tell you about the next one this one has annoyed me for as long as i've had my own service now instance and i'm just going to say it containers (laughs)
0: containers (laughs)
1: containers (laughs) sideways up and down whatever (laughs) them all I don't want to start a f-ing container. I don't want to end a f-ing container. I, for God's sake, don't want to f-ing split a container. F-ing. Seriously, why don't we have forms for catalog items already? Why are we still living in the dark ages? Yep. Like, this is f-ing ridiculous, right? That we're still creating splits in a catalog item using containers when we have a perfectly good form interface. That not yeah. only have we uh, innovated on several times, the service now has created several different versions now of the UI for the normal ITIL user. And still, we're designing service catalog items with <laughs> containers.
0: I've been at this for over 12 years now. I still stop and think about the two different order options as soon as you put variables in a container. Right. How is this actually going to show? <laughs> right. And I'm like, I I cannot remember it for the life of me. And I've done it every week for 12 years. (laughs) 520 times I've done it and I still don't get it. (laughs) Because is ridiculous. It's Uh, patently
1: absurd. And we're keeping track of containers
0: listen Corey and I have very special perspective on this because before serviceNow there was this product called magic total service desk and they didn't have catalog items god bless them but they did have this what you see is what you get drag and drop interface and hey if you want to move that that field two pixels up and make it completely totally unaligned you want to pick the most god-awful fuchsia pink nightmare color Go ahead yeah. man. we don't care. So you define what that form looks like. And it's just, well, I'm meddling with these containers and you know, every month on community it's, how do I get this four columns wide? How do I get a three columns wide? And people are answering with these God awful hacks. <laughs> and it's just.
1: <laughs> Let's embed a container in a container inside of a container and <laughs> set it
0: yeah and then you got you got that paradigm on one side and then you've got these kind of "Eh, customers always right whatever but you get these people who are like we gotta ask these 200 questions like no you don't oh yes you do okay let's figure out let's put that in a container and put 100 on the top part of it and then 100 on the bottom part of it and just oh man
1: and now we got to keep up with all these numbers and renumbering And then, you, and then you end up with all of these extra questions sometimes that you, oh, yeah. you need variables for, right? Oh, so you got to try to scoot them
0: in. Yeah, and then you got the UI policies or the client scripts that are like hiding them. And messes up all the order again. Oh yeah,
1: and it's like, what the oh, uh, dude? I, <laughs> seriously, like when you get to the point where you're building a complicated catalog item, you spend as much time designing the UI of the thing as you yeah. do building the thing, and that's absurd. Yeah, it's really, it really is. Like we we got to do better. Service now, if you're listening, we got to do better.
0: With love, though, with love, like
1: yeah, no doubt, we got you. With but, love, <laughs> containers. Y'all know it. I'm sure y'all know it. Like, right? All right. Come on. <laughs> what we got next, Robert? <laughs> I, feel, I feel
0: a lot better.
1: <laughs> Meta, like I,
0: my, I needed, look, my heart
1: rate monitor just went from like 101 down to like 56. I'm good.
0: <laughs> I felt good. Okay. <laughs> This one is on a way more positive note. And I get this question a lot from my friends and my call me when you need me customers. There's this idea of, hey, we just came off a good wave of success. What do we do next? And to some extent, the answer that the industry defaults to is what other module can we deploy? How do we go wider? But there's a really excellent case to go deeper. I've just deployed a whole bunch of stuff in my catalog, but I guarantee you that was like seat of the pants catalog. What can we do to just get this thing stood up? But- All right. If you've gone full in on catalog, and I know companies that have full on five resources just to do catalog stuff. So if you're that bought into catalog, then take a second look at what your catalog is telling you. But there's not a really good report. And when I say a really good report, here's what I imagine. You know, they call them tree maps in the industry. But you you ever seen those big square of squares reports that do like the US federal budget? The big total square is the budget. And the biggest square inside the square is where most of the money is spent. And then it breaks out all the squares inside the square. You know what I mean, Corey? Yes, absolutely. Imagine the biggest square being the sum of all the time you have ever spent in catalog in request items. And then you just say, what's the biggest request item? The one that takes the longest. And then you click into that and you would drill into a second one that would show off the subtasks in that request item. So here we are on... Our biggest request item. Which of the subcomponents can we automate? None. Okay, go to the second biggest catalog item. Right. And then you just think: Can we automate? Can we refine? Can we integrate such that these tasks take no time instead of a bunch of time? That you're creating massive, measurable cost savings for the organization by being able to tell them: It used to take eight hours; it takes two now. It used to take three weeks; it takes a day.
1: I'm with you on this one, Robert. I think this dream report, as you call it, is it really is an aspiration for everyone who's running a service catalog that has more than two items in it. Because it's really the thing that's going to show you where your team, where your organization where internal processes on the platform are spending the most time and if you want to reclaim time you got to go to where the time is being claimed and so this dream report will do that it will surface all of that data so that you know where you need to attack first and it prevents you from attacking the processes that have a minimal impact and focuses you on attacking the processes with a maximum impact
0: I just wish the report was there. I tell my customers to do this, but it's more, okay, build some indicators on request item, then build some indicators on SC task, and then go buy Vivid charts so that you can build (laughs) (laughs) build, uh, somewhere. But it's just not there. And it takes a lot of work, not easy work either, to get to the point where you just say like, hey, how long do these catalog items take? And then how long do the subcomponents take? Right. Actually, okay, I'm going to insert like a real quick other wish list thing yeah go for it i wish there was an easier way to declare the type of subtask this is and i'm thinking like the old wf activity reference from workflow they oh yeah, the, yeah yeah they need the equivalent of that in flow designer i don't want to measure off the short description because that could be different every time i need to somehow know that this is task one of eight right you know what i mean Otherwise, I don't know. It's like the first task of this process that always takes us the goddamn longest. I can
1: think of a way to do that, but it's time consuming as hell Mm -hmm. and it's really individualized, right? Like you can do metrics and you can code the metrics in such a way as to key off of of the very specific attributes of that task. But come on, man, that's going to take a lot of work, especially if the attributes of that task are changing and you want to make sure that you're not incorporating other things, right? Like it's just, it's a hack. And I, my mind thinks in hacks. Unfortunately, I have to check myself on this oh. sometimes because I always come up with hacks. But the point is, it's not the right way to do it. Let's just let's just do this the right way. Give us the table so we can make the report so that everybody can drive their their mean time to uh, restore or their or their time to delivery lore. That's what we want.
0: Yeah, we'll hear that.
1: I'll go from there and talk about the unification of variables and fields from the platform as a whole. Let's take the variables and let's just get rid of them. Right. Like I love you variables, but goodbye. What I want for catalog items are fields. I want them to be proper stakeholders in the platform. That's what I'm looking for. Let everything be the same so I could just pick and choose what's on the shelf instead of having to go to a different store to pick and choose what's on that shelf. Hmm. It doesn't make any sense. What I really want ultimately is the table structure that's on the native platform with the field structure that's on the native platform applied to the catalog so that when I'm building everything out, it's just like I'm building on the native platform and not having to go through all of these hacks to achieve this parity that should just be built in out of the box. What do you think, Robert?
0: Man, I'd just be happy if they had the exact same data types and variables as they did for fields. Like, Yeah, I guess that's a
1: good compromise.
0: To some extent, I understand the spirit of why they don't just make variables explicit fields. Especially, dude, when you get those customers that make this 250 field form. (laughs) so i understand the spirit of why why they do that but what makes it really difficult for me is that the data types for variables aren't aligned with the data types for fields and i can't for the life of me understand why how come i can't have a currency variable like how come i can't have a a currency variable (laughs) you know because they
1: decided you don't need one (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, I mean, listen. I've been at this for twelve years, so sometimes I just turn off my interest in something for a while. So it might yeah. be that they've got currency variables for now, and if I've just like painted myself in a corner of a story, but but I don't think they have. And no, nope. just that to me is why is there a difference? What is it about variables and storing that data in the same way that you would store field data? Right? They could just like just copy right. the field types. Why can't we have that?
1: You know, what's funny, Robert, let's just take this one step further, right? It's like, why can't you have a currency variable, but we can have an IP address variable? Boom. Think about right. that one. Right. <laughs> it's,
0: it's completely arbitrary, at least it feels like. Anyway. Oh, no, Here's here's one in the opposite direction. How come we can have regular expression validation on variables, but not on fields? Ooh, right? <laughs> right? I feel there's
1: there so much synergy to be gained from combining these things into one standardized platform. I'm just surprised that it hasn't been done yet.
0: Again, I can sympathize. Why are variables stored in their own table? Why are they not explicit fields? But what I don't get is how come they're different.
1: Yeah, I'm less sympathetic to that than, than Robert is. But, you know, I, I definitely do agree. At the very least, they should be the same.
0: And they're yeah. not. And I just don't get that. Totally. Yeah. Totally fist bump on that. The last item on my wish list. ServiceNow has gone a large part of the way towards a wish I have had for seven years. And that's a better multi-row variable set. So currently, I don't think it interacts with the rest of the variables well enough. So... yeah. There's this idea, there's variables that I fill in, and then there's a multi-row variable set. But the things that I do on the multi-row variable set cannot be dependent on the things I've already filled out, which I think is a glaring weakness. What if there's a choice on the multi-row variable set that's dependent on a choice I've made already in the variables? So I'll give you a great example of this. And again, this is a multi-million dollar use case in and of itself. I worked for a hospitality brand and they had this catalog item for income journal reconciliations, which is basically like the corporate entity was going to reconcile all the subservient property entities into one income journal. Because we didn't have multi-row variable set at the time, Basically, let's just put in the income journal reconciliation request and attach an Excel sheet. And then that Excel sheet would go to an outsourced company that would copy paste all the details into the financial system. And I'm like, man, if if I could just have a multi-row interface on the catalog, then I wouldn't need to hire a middleman to do the copy pastes. I could just say, go row by row and make a rest call over to the accounting interface do like that's like, so yeah. I'm not kidding when I say a multi-million dollar thing because it's basically let's hire an army of people offshore to copy and paste stuff from Excel. 12 hours a day. Right? <laughs> copy, paste. And the contracts were absurdly large. And it was just, they got multi-row variable set now, but it needs to be better because it needs to be able to see the variables that were done prior to getting into the multi-row. Like they do a good job of when you're in the workflow And you can call the multi-row variable set and you can find whatever's at line one, line two, whatever. But when you're populating the multi-row variable set, there's zero connection to the record that you came from that isn't even quite inserted yet. So that's my wish for multi-row variable set. They really just need a way to, when I'm inserting something, I might be talking about multiple things, multiple records. It's not a case of like, everything's a string or a reference. Yeah retire these CIs yes you know what I mean right or or almost like or only show me
1: the retired CIs
0: yeah or like a data validation task but ad hoc yes yes like I noticed that these servers don't have the right things but I don't have the rights to change it so let me just enter five line items where I'm populating the you know what I mean let me insert complex data but make that experience super hyper rich yeah,
1: one catalog item, right, for for data validation of the CMDB. And I can go in there and I can select on a different variable, right, whether or not I'm retiring assets or, or retiring CIs or changing the status, whatever, right? I can do all of that. And then the, the multi-row variable set takes that into account and only shows me the CIs that can have this thing of, applied to it. Like, So if something's already retired and I'm looking to retire CIs, I don't want to see that in the list when I'm picking. And yeah, anyway, you get it. I get it. (laughs) I'm appreciative of the fact that we do have multi-role variable sets. The one place that I've had to say no inside of ServiceNow has been around doing things that have been accomplished with a multi-role variable set, invoices and purchase orders. Those have always been possible in ServiceNow, but they are hacky as all get out, Mm -hmm. right? You know, and you have to limit and say, okay, look, you can do a purchase order, but it's got to be limited to five line items. I'm going to create each field for every line item manually. And then I'm going to use a whole lot of client scripts to make sure that they don't show up. Guy, right?
0: man, every single <laughs> hackathon that I've been in, there's been at least one person there. I'm going to create an expense report app. I'm like, <laughs> And the thing that makes Good an expense lot. report app and an app is you got to have a customer accessible front end. Yep. cough catalog cough but the brick wall is my expense report is going to have multiple lines on it and what are you going to do yep. about it multi-row variable set i don't want to look at gift horse in the mouth man service now did a huge favor for all of us by just getting it in there but
1: absolutely oh,
0: man carried across that finish line brothers carried across that finish line and watch the value pour in seriously make the interaction with the already existing variables exquisite
1: dude you know we're in the zone when you start using words like exquisite
0: it just needs to be an exquisite experience man that's all that's all Uh, it needs
1: you know it's funny that you mentioned that because if you look back at this episode and you sum it all up like what we're really talking about is make the user experience better Make the user experience around catalog better so that we can make it better for the end user. And I, I think that's really what, what, where, we, um, where we are with this. Well, is let's give it you know, a
0: positive note, too. Like, um, yeah. There is some stuff in Paris that I think is going to revolutionize catalog. The automated process designer and the playbooks, that, yeah. looks, that looks like everything we've ever wanted out of catalog and more.
1: Minus. What you just mentioned about Paris, that looks amazing. And it touches on one of the things that didn't quite make the cut due to time, and you know, that's workflow stages. But the new process application that's in Paris takes workflow stages and puts it on steroids and gives you the ability to take that swim lane and turn it into an actionable thing inside of the platform. Yeah. And that's just amazing.
0: I'm really, really, really excited to dig into process automation. I don't know how much of our wish it covers, but I, I have high hopes. Is that a good place to move it it, off?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think process automation looks amazing. And um, this has been a great episode.
0: All right. So that's the final episode of What's Up with Catalog. And we hope you enjoyed it. We hope it provides some form of value. This is uh, Robert the Duke Fedoric of CJ the Duke signing off.
1: And this is Corey CJ Wesley signing off.